the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. You're listening to the Pastor Scott Show podcast. Have any questions or comments? Email Pastor Scott now at PastorScott at KKLA.com or tune in live weekdays from 3 to 5 p.m. And now, here's Pastor Scott. Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the Pastor Scott Show. So good to be with you today as we are each and every day from 3 to 5 Hey, what do you do in the first weekend of July? It's right before 4th of July, which is on a Tuesday this year. What are you going to be doing? You know what? I have a suggestion and a great opportunity. The Harvest Crusade is coming up on July 1st and 2nd, the first weekend of July, the Harvest Crusade. And uh, we have a special guest to talk about that with me. My guest is Pastor Greg Laurie. Greg Laurie is the senior pastor of Harvest Christian Fellowship with campuses in California and Hawaii. And his show, A New Beginning, is heard daily on this station as well. The Harvest Crusade is coming up July 1st and 2nd. This year, it's at the Honda Center. So change of venue. Important for you to realize that. We're excited about that. Pastor Greg, welcome to the Pastor Scott Show. Pastor Scott, thanks for having me on again. Great to be with you. Let me just uh, say a quick word. Why are we at the Honda Center instead of Angel Stadium? Good question. Let me <laughs> let's put that right on the top. Yeah, we don't right want people to go down to the Big A and wonder where everything is. That's right. I still call so, it the Big A. Yes. So for well over thirty years, we did meet at Angel Stadium. So this last year, they said uh, we can no longer have you have people come down on the field because major league baseball says we don't want that. And, uh, and so you can't have them come forward. Well, as you know, Scott, that's a big part of what we do. It's uh, people coming forward and making that public stand to follow Christ. And so we appealed it and we tried to work it out with them and they were firm in this. So we realized we had to have a change of venue. So now we're at the Honda center. So that's why we've made the move from A to B. Maybe that will change in the future. Uh, but I, I, of course, disagree with that decision. Yeah. And uh, and I think that uh, Major League Baseball needs to take a long, hard look at some decisions they're making, like what happened at Dodger Stadium recently. That's right. Uh, you know, with this, uh, this this group openly mocking Jesus Christ and his crucifixion. And it's just like, come on, people. Like, uh, we've been, you know, there for well over 30 years uh, holding this event, we're disappointed, but but we're hoping to go back again in the future someday. But this year, July one and two, Honda Center. Honda Center. Well, at least it'll be indoors, so that might yes. uh, make it a little comfortable for people. And uh, when people come forward, hopefully they'll put some uh, stuff down on the ice because that could be a liability problem. But, yeah, we'll uh, have that covered. <laughs> <laughs> well, Greg, uh, I'm really excited about it, and you know, God will have His reason and what He's going right. to be glorified for at the Honda Center with all of this. And and you know that you know the last time we talked on this program, it was right before Jesus Revolution came out. Mm-hmm. And we are excited and anticipating what the Lord might do through that movie. And he blessed it in a huge way. He really did. And it's kind of mind-blowing what has happened with this film. It performed well at the box office. And because of that, it's gone into a very large theatrical release globally. 
Uh, it's uh, opening this week in the UK. It's going to open in Ireland. It's going to play in Latin America, India. It's already shown in Australia, New Zealand. So it's continuing its theatrical release now around the world. But it's on streaming platforms here in America. You can watch it at Apple. You can watch it at Amazon Prime and, and other streaming outlets. It's even in those little red box machines I saw the other day <laughs> in a market. It's on airplanes. People are sending me pictures. Hey, we saw Jesus Revolution on Delta. So it, it's so exciting the way it's getting out because this is where it will reach its largest audience. That's I right. just got this little comment on social media, uh, media. A person says, adored the movie. You also led my mother to Jesus two weeks before she suddenly died. God is good. Wow. So, I mean, you know, we're, we've heard story after story of people coming to Christ watching this film. And uh, one story I heard was uh, a person went and saw it, and uh, actually a group of guys saw it, and, and they were just sitting there. And, and so some Christians were in the theater, and they walked over to these young men and said, uh, what did you think of the movie? Well, we liked it, they said. We just wonder, what does it mean? How does one do this? Like, what do you, do you need to be baptized? They just, they wanted to know how to take the next step. So the Christians led these guys to the Lord and, uh, and then they were in church the next Sunday. So God is using the movie to bring people into the kingdom. And I, I think that this movie is a really great tool, uh, because you can show the movie to someone, then have a great gospel conversation afterwards. You know, the movie, it disarms people, Scott. Yeah. It it mm. touches them emotionally. They connect to the characters. You know, it's not a preachy film, but it has the gospel in it. And, and enough where I think a person can see how they too can come into a relationship with Christ. And so it's just continuing to touch lives, and we thank God for that. I think it's a it's an amazing thing when you said that somebody's watching it on a plane. Somebody's going to have that story. They got saved on a plane. Yeah. They took off. They were not in the kingdom, and they landed, and they were. Well, you've heard of snakes on a plane. I want to see saved on a plane. Saved on a plane. <laughs> I think we have a sequel. I think we have a sequel right here. You can have people uh, uh, come forward right in the middle of the plane, you know. And, yes. Uh, <laughs> Harvest Crusade, Crusade Airline Edition. You yes. know, I, th- I think that's really great. We've had people on our show call really for months. They still refer to that movie and how wow. encouraging it was. We live in a time where things are crazy. You mentioned the baseball yeah. situation yeah. and – you know, I I feel like, I still feel like, unless it's time for Christ's return and we're just, this is the plan of God, I feel like there is a time where we might have revival. We usually talk about that. Mm-hmm. I'm still encouraged at that possibility right now. Well, you know, Scott, God has actually given us what we might call a prescription for revival in Second Chronicles 7.14. Now, contextually, that statement was made originally to the nation Israel, but I think principally mm. it applies to any nation, yep. including America where God says, if my people, which are called by my name, will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, God promises, I'll hear from heaven and forgive their sin and heal their land. Now, we all want to see our land healed, but let's make sure we're doing our part. And notice that God points his finger at his own people. You know, it's easy for us as Christians to Mm -hmm. talk about all the evil going on in the world, and there's a lot of it happening, but let's make sure that we're not having evil things that we need to turn from. It starts in our heart. So let's be praying and let's be repenting and let's be preaching and proclaiming the gospel. And that's why an event like the Harvest Crusade is such a great thing because it's a catalyst. It's something we can work toward. It's something we can invite 
an unbeliever to. And, and, you know, coming back to the first part of our conversation, I'm actually looking forward to doing this at the Honda Center because it's a different kind of a venue. And it's, it's more intimate, still big. It's like 16, 17,000 seats. But still, uh, we're going to be able to do something we've not been able to do in a stadium. You know, stadiums are so mm. big and expansive. When people sing, you don't hear them very well. When you're in a theater or, or, a, or an arena like the Honda Center in the round, it's different. You can hear what's happening. And, and this is going to be a really intensive, immersive kind, immersive kind of a worship crusade. It's actually going to be more of a throwback to our very earliest crusades that we did in the 90s where they were more worship focused. And mm. so, I, you know, I just feel like, you know, the, this is what happened. God closed one door. He opened another. Or, you know, so we're like saying, let's seize this moment and make it the best crusade it can be. I would just say to folks listening right now, get there early. Make sure you, you know, take time to get your seat. I would be sad to see you turned away, but we have so many seats. And once they're filled, they're filled. That's right. So you have two nights to choose from, but I would encourage you to get there early. My guest is Pastor Greg Laurie, and the Harvest Crusade is coming up July 1st and 2nd. It's at the Honda Center this year, and we were you were talking about the music. And in the yeah. round, the people who will be there are Chris Tomlin, Phil Wickham, Michael W. Smith, Passion, and uh, Taya. Is that how you say Taya. Taya, that's right, Taya. Yes. And, uh, you know, I, I think that people are going to have a different experience if you've been yeah. in this a lot because of it. And the worship, it's just going to be amazing. And, you know, I would I would let people know the whole time is fun. From the time you arrive to the whole evening, this is a great time with your family and your friends who you're going to bring. And you were talking about this being a tool for evangelism. Yes. And you know what? I think one of the great things about the Harvest Crusade is it's so well done that you're not going to lean over to your coworker that you invited and say, you know, I'm sorry I brought you to this. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yes. <laughs> you're, it's That matters. That, you know, yeah. that it, and so I want you to think about it. That person that God has put on your mind right now that you just, when I said coworker, or maybe it's somebody that you live next door to or somebody that you go to school with. Yeah. Bring them to this. It's free. Right. The concert will be amazing. It is a great performance. It is It is hearing the people sing, I think, is going to be very powerful. And the message will be powerful. And people coming forward and getting saved is always something for, I think it, you know, some people that I knew who went last time who weren't saved, they were shocked by it uh, mm-hmm. last year and completely moved by the number yeah. of people who clearly, you know, if, if you watch people going down, yeah. you know, some people are going down, they got a smile on their face, and maybe they're there to help and other things, but some people are yeah. have tears flowing down their That's face. That's right. And I knew yeah. people who were crying, not because, ju- both because they were convicted of things, but other people mm-hmm. whose tears were flowing because the person they brought wanted to go yeah. down there. Yes. And that's why God put you on this earth, everybody. It's that person that you bring to the gospel, that person that you share your life, that person is so close to you that when you do repent, uh, they see it and wonder what happened, mm-hmm. and you get to tell them. That's right. You know, Scott, 85% of the people that walk forward at a Harvest Crusade and make a profession of faith were brought by a friend. Yeah. So I can't emphasize enough how important it is for you to bring someone with you. Don't send them to the Harvest Crusade. Bring them to the Harvest Crusade and be praying for them while it is happening. You know, coming back to the worship, you think, well, worship, that's not very evangelistic. Actually, it can be very evangelistic. And I'll tell you why. 
You know, when God is honored and glorified and you sense the presence of the Lord in a room, that really impacts people. The culture, the secular culture, has nothing like worship. Uh, it's kind of rare for people who even sing together anywhere uh, in public settings. But this is a place where you're going to encounter God's presence. And, you know, before I was a Christian, I was on my high school campus and I was walking across and I saw a group of Christians singing songs about God. I thought they were delusional and crazy, and I honestly felt sorry for them. But I sat down close enough to kind of eavesdrop on their conversation and what they were saying. And as I watched them worship Scott, I, I just kind of was moved by the fact that this seems really real mm. to them. And, and they weren't, you know, this was not complex music they were doing. This was like four card chords on an acoustic guitar. Right. Just these real basic sing-alongs, you know. But there was something about Christians worshiping God that moved me and sort of opened my heart. And then when I heard the gospel from a visiting preacher named Lonnie Frisbee, if you've seen the movie, you know who he is. Uh, and and then when he preached the gospel, I understood it. And that was the day I believed. And so... You know, I think that uh, when you go into this environment where God is honored and glorified, that it's going to prepare the hearts of people to hear the gospel message. And each night I give a very clear proclamation of the gospel. Here's what's unique about this event. Number one, it's free. You would normally pay a considerable amount of money to see any of these top-level artists perform somewhere. This event is free. Number two, it's designed from beginning to end to bring the gospel in an understandable way to a non-believer. Because I know we all want to bring people to church, and we finally talk, you know, our neighbor into coming to church, and that has to be the Sunday the pastor speaks on tithing or something, <laughs> yeah, right. whatever. You know, no, that's not the message I would have chosen. My message is designed for a non-believer. I'm preaching for a decision. Uh, so this is a perfect place to bring someone to that does not yet know the Lord. So look, we all know non-believers. Start praying for them Mm. and start extending that invitation. Say, what time should I pick you up? That's right. Pray for them and ask God to open up that door for you to do it, to make you do it. I think God answers that prayer also. Yes. You know, he does. And this is great. You go and you have a great time and it's free also. I think that's a, people need to make sure they understand that because you're right. These people, uh, when they're just doing a concert, you buy a ticket like any other event that can be expensive. Um, You know, this year, how many years have you been doing this now? Oh, my goodness. I think it's 33 years. 33. This may be our 33rd or 34th year. I think it's our 33rd year. Yeah. And God blesses it every time. It's something that Southern California, I think, has uh, even adopted as a great event. So many people have been and so many people's lives have been touched by it. And we're all looking forward to it. Oh, thank you so much. And I'm looking forward to it as well. You know, Every year, I'm excited about it. I spend a lot of time prepping these messages. You think, oh, Greg, they're such simple messages. It's true. But, you know, in some ways, it takes more work to write something that's simple than Mm. something that's complex. You know, I just kind of keep whittling it down. So it just becomes that very simple, straightforward, streamlined presentation of the gospel. I take it really seriously. You know, I I know people are bringing non-believers there. So I really want to do the best job I can do, and we want to do the best job we can do as a team here at Harvest 
to present an event that will honor the Lord and speak to the hearts of those that don't know him yet. I think that's great for people to hear too, Greg, because I think sometimes people don't understand what a pastor does and how much work goes into a message, even a message that you've given so many times, but there's always something different to say. The Lord's always going to put that on your heart. There's always a different time of the year and time in culture that needs to be addressed. And that is a lot of work uh, at the end. And we appreciate that you do that. Thank you very much. Yeah, thank My you. honor. I love to do it. You know, I, it's a thrill for me, really. One of the things I love more than anything else in doing ministry is I love to study, write, and deliver messages. You know, that's my favorite part. And so this is something that I, I spend a lot of time prepping for, but I really enjoy that prep as well and pray that God will use it for his glory. Yeah. Well, Greg, you know, as... Um... We, we wrap this up. Are there ways that we can pray for you and your team and Harvest Christian Fellowship, where you're the pastor of? I've thought a lot about that this year because of the movie being out and publicity in a different way. And, you know, when the spotlight shines on us, it, it creates a different world for us in some ways. You know, how has that been for you and your family this year? Well, it's been interesting. You know, uh, my wife and I just uh, went to Italy for our 50th wedding anniversary. Mm. I thought I better go big or stay home, right? So we were having a great time. And I was amazed that people were recognizing us in Italy, you know, who had seen the movie. And because it's everywhere now, you know. And so it's uh, we're thankful to God for it. And and it's a great tool that's opened up a lot of doors and uh, to to reach people that we had not been able to reach before. And, And I just... I uh, appreciate people praying for us. You know, I'm 70 years old now, so not a spring chicken, <laughs> but I, my health is good. My energy is good. Just pray God gives me the strength and clarity of mind to do what he has called me to do as effectively as I can do it. And, you know, I had the opportunity, Scott, to become close friends with Billy Graham mm. toward the end of his ministry. In fact, I met him when he was in his late 60s, and he asked me to come and help him with his ministry as it was coming to a close. And I actually was involved in helping him write his sermons, um, specifically helped him with illustrations. And so I spent a lot of time with Billy. So in, in reality, I was enrolled in the finest evangelistic university on earth, being personally taught by the greatest evangelist really of all time, Billy Graham himself. And, and I learned a lot in doing that. And it was a great honor to see, and he just went on for years and years, you know. So he, Billy, was preaching well into his eighties. Right. So, you know, we'll see how many years the Lord gives me. But, you know, I, I see it this way. I, you know, I say treat every day as though it were the last day, because one day it will be. Mm. So, you know, we just every day God gives us opportunities, whatever our age is, and we want to use it to glorify Him. So that's what I'm looking to do at this stage of my life. Well, we're looking forward to it. Can I pray with you for yes. uh, for you and for the Harvest Crusade coming Thank up you. in uh, on July 1st and 2nd? So that's coming up pretty quick, everybody, July 1st and 2nd at the Harvest Crusade. And I'll give you some details here in just a second as we pray. Uh, God, I thank you for Greg. I thank you for the calling that you've put on his life and the ministry that you continue to give him. And we pray that you would protect and bless his family and that even in all of this, as he prepares for his message this year, that not only would it be the best one he's ever given, mm. um, but that he would grow personally as he studies, that he mm. would continue to grow closer to you. We pray for him and his staff and everybody working. And this year, 
we know it's in a different place, and uh, that was not a surprise to you, Lord, to move it to Honda Center, and we are so excited about what you're going to do at the Harvest Crusade there. We pray for everybody who is going to be there, whether they are coming and they're a Christian and they they are going to come and be rejuvenated by your spirit, or they are bringing a friend, or they have finally uh, worked up the courage to invite their coworker, or they're working on it now, Lord. We pray for yes. them that you would just give them that courage. The worst they're going to say is no. Amen. And that when their coworker says yes, which so often happens, mm-hmm. that you would put joy and confidence in you in their heart. And we pray for the salvation of every single person who comes, that they would know Jesus Christ, that you'd speak through Greg and speak through all the mu- musicians and even all of the volunteers and everybody that they interact with. We all play a role as your church there. We pray for this event. We ask your blessing on it. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you so much, God. I appreciate that. Greg, it's always great to have you on the, on the show, and I'm so excited to see you coming up here on July 1st and 2nd. It is the Southern California Harvest Crusade at the Honda Center. It's not at the Anaheim Stadium. It's at the Honda Center this year. Important to know, July 1st and 2nd. It's coming up very quick. Each night begins, the program begins at 6 p.m., but you want to get there early to make sure that you get a seat. So get there a lot earlier than that. And there will be Christian artists there, uh, Chris Tomlin, Phil Wickham, Michael W. Smith, Pat and uh, it's Taya. Taya. Taya, right. <laughs> and the Harvest Worship Band, too. It's going to be awesome. It's going to be fantastic, and Greg will have a new gospel message, and you can have confidence in that. Pray for your friends and your family, your coworkers, your classmates, the people in your life, and invite them and come. It's for free. Once again, July 1st and 2nd at the Honda Center. You can go to harvestcrusade.com, harvestcrusade.com. Pastor Greg Laurie, thanks for being with me on the Pastor Scott Show. Thanks for having me on. We will be right back as the Pastor Scott Show continues. Stay tuned. You're listening to the Pastor Scott Show podcast. Have any questions or comments? Email Pastor Scott now at pastorscott at kkla.com or tune in live weekdays from 3 to 5 p.m. Now, back to the show. Welcome back, everybody. Good to be with you today on this first day of summer. It's going to be a long day. Like literally a long day. Anyway, it's good to be with you. 888-528-2557. Want to follow up briefly on the interview we just did with Greg Laurie and the Harvest Crusade coming up. And then I don't know if you're following the story of the submarine that is lost, that was looking for. It's not really a submarine. It is a, uh, a, a it's a, I hesitate to even call it a, it's not a submarine. It's a device. There's another word for it. Sub something. But you get in and you go down and people were tourists basically looking for the Titanic and they're lost. Would you ever get in one of those? Would you ever set foot in one of the, regardless of the money, cost $250,000 to do it. Some people can do that. That's a lot of money to spend on something like that. Some people can. I wouldn't, even if I could. If you gave me that, I don't think I would get in there. Anyway, we're praying for them. I'll give you an update if something comes up during our show today. I'll uh, I'll talk about that. But I wanted to mention that after the Harvest Crusade, they're doing a Harvest Christian Fellowship, Harvest Community Church, Harvest Church. I'm blowing it on the name there, Harvest Church, is uh, doing a churchwide baptism at Pirate's Cove. That's the beach that is featured in the Jesus Revolution movie. And another group did a baptism there. We had a guest on to talk about that recently. 4,100 people or so were baptized just a couple weekends ago there, I think inspired by that movie. And Harvest will be doing a baptism there on July 9th. And I think that is, I'm looking forward to that because of the Harvest Crusade being on the first and second, some of the people who come down to the floor there of the Honda Center 
who accept Christ, I think they're going to get baptized uh, at Pirate's Cove. That is an exciting thing. So there's more information if you go to the Harvest Church website, and uh, you can check it out uh, there, and uh, it's harvest.org. And uh, if you want to get baptized, you can you can sign up and do that. And and I think that would be really great. All right, 888-528-2557. I don't know if you're following the story or not, or not, but it's captivated, I think, most of the news media. Every station, every radio show I've listened to is talking about this, a submersible, a submersible watercraft, I guess that's how you would say it, with five people on board has been missing since Sunday. And they went down to explore the shipwreck of Titanic. Now, I'd like to see that, I guess, but I'd prefer that you drain the water from the ocean before I can do that. Um, On Wednesday, today, U.S. Coast Guard officials said that airplanes participating in the search have detected underwater noises. So the the danger here is that they don't know what has happened to the craft. They don't actually know where it is. And it's relatively tiny when you think about the big ocean and even next to the Titanic and the wreckage that's down there. Very hard to find it. There have been reports that noises have been heard, like tapping noises on the side of it. And that it's got to be them, you would think, right? Because who else is doing that? But the Coast Guard is hesitant to say for sure that those noises are coming from the sub. It's good news if they are. That means that people are still alive and that the submarine uh, didn't develop a leak, you know, or uh, have pressure go out, which would have uh, destroyed it. Um, but the danger is that there's only a few hours left of oxygen. Sometime tomorrow, they think that people will run out of oxygen. And there's some variables with all of that. It depends on whether or not they're being careful about their breathing, and there's lots of things. But there's not a lot of room, not a lot of room for hope with all of that. Is this something that is something you would do? And then another thing that people are are wondering about, and I, I think about this, and I actually agree that we need to do it for different reasons. I'm wondering what you think. Is it worth going after them? meaning there's a lot of expense and a lot of manpower going into trying to rescue these people. So the Coast Guard and the United States military is involved, the military and many different companies from the UK and other places in Europe are involved, and uh, it's very complicated. No one's ever been rescued from a depth uh, that deep. In fact, more people have been in space than have seen the Titanic. There's more people who've actually been in outer space than have gone down to see the wreckage of the Titanic at that depth in the ocean. So it's it's a very dire situation. And, you know, there is a rush to try to save their life and a lot of sensitive conversation about whether or not this is search and rescue versus a recovery operation just of whatever they can find down there. Because there's certainly a limited amount of time that people can live is this something that interests you, this kind of adventure to go down to the depths of the sea, either to see the Titanic or maybe just the ocean floor at some you know, incredibly deep level? Or maybe you'd find yourself going into space now that they have these rockets and you can pay a bunch of money to go on them. 888-528-2557 is the number, 888-528-2557. I would prefer to go into space if I had to choose the two. I, you know, it's uh, if if you know for the money, I wouldn't do it. I don't think at all. But I think of the two, I would I would prefer to go into space. And uh, speaking of that, by the way, SpaceX is launching a rocket from Vandenberg, Vandenberg Space Force Base, 
tonight. Last I heard it was 12.15 p.m. or a.m., so just after midnight tonight. And I mention that because if the skies are clear, and they're shockingly clear today, last time I was outside, if they're clear tonight, you'll be able to see that rocket take off probably, especially the farther north you are. And uh, have you ever done that, J.J.? You, and man, that is that will wake you up. Yeah, it's a it's an incredible thing to see, and people start worrying about UFOs and other stuff because what happens, I guess, is that as the rocket takes off, even though it's the middle of the night and it's far away from you, as it gains altitude, the the flame and whatever the fuel is burning in the air, it is picked up by the sun that. You know, it's set, but it's still there. And so the sunlight that is actually shining through the atmosphere at that height will reflect that light, and you'll see the streak going across the sky. Yeah, it is quite the, the image and sound, too. Yeah, it's, uh, it's an incredible thing to watch. So if you happen to be up, uh, take a look uh, to the uh, northwest and out over the ocean, and about 12.15, you can see it. Actually, you can go online to SpaceX's website or their social media. This is what I've done before to check it out, and that way you know for sure that it launched because sometimes there's delays and other things. You don't want to be just staring out at the sky, you know, for no reason at 12.15 when you should be in bed. Um, But it's a fascinating thing to see, and it is something that I think more and more people will be doing. And I thought about this, that I have no no intention of ever doing that. But I was thinking about this while I was driving my, my son, John, who is 11 years old. I was driving him to a uh, thing at his school today. And uh, I thought, you know what? He very well might likely be in the generation where space flight is a regular thing, where instead of just you know, getting on a regular airplane like we do and flying to New York or flying to Europe or wherever you're going to go. The future is probably that they'll go up into space. The idea is you could go L.A. to Paris in a couple of hours to do it that way. Like you could go to Paris for lunch. I've known people who have gotten on a plane and flown to San Francisco for lunch, which I don't think you would do anymore because you might not make it back. But that was the old way to do it. And it would still take all day, though. Like you can get up there pretty fast and you're for flying out of, you know, uh, Hollywood Airport, Burbank, or you're flying out of a small airport. If you're like me and you feel like you can push it and get there right before the plane uh, closes its door, you could get up there and back pretty fast and not waste most of your day. Um, but it's still a long time. But imagine that you spent most of your day, but you went to Paris and had lunch somewhere and then flew back. That could be the future. My sons could be doing that. Your kids or grandkids may actually all be in space. That just might be the regular routine. That is the the direction that technology is is headed. Would you do that? Is that something you would do early? Would you be a pioneer in all of that? Do you have that kind of um, bravery or is it adventurism, you know, uh, or is it stupidity? You know, what is it? 888 there are lots of people doing this. It made big news a couple of years ago when the first space tourists went into space. And one of them was William Shatner. And, you know, if you ever watch that, his experience that he had, that he shared with people when he got off that spacecraft, he went up with the, uh, the Jeff Bezos uh, crowd. You know, they were popping champagne. The other people on it were popping champagne and, and celebrating. He kind of walked off on his own, but a reporter was there and interviewed him. And he just, he was overwhelmed 
by what he experienced going up into space. He was overwhelmed with the darkness. He said it was depressing and it just felt like death, which I thought was really interesting. He's not a Christian person. I think he's an atheist, actually, is what he would say, or agnostic. And But his the way he was changed in that moment, his his introspection for um, that short trip to go into space and really see it, I thought it was it was profound to see that. And I suspect we'll all see that, uh, whoever goes up into it. Maybe it will happen in our lifetime, JJ. Maybe uh, maybe when we're 80, we're going to take a flight and go, go to Paris in two hours. You, I, I, you never know. <laughs> you never know, right? I mean, it, when you think about the progress that we've had, right? I mean, uh, 10 minutes ago, we didn't have computers in our pocket. And they say that our, your cell phone is something that... Uh, is more powerful than the first space vehicle that took people to the moon. And where is the technology going to be in 20 or 30 years? Is that going to be a normal thing? Um, that, I think that for sure is the direction. I don't know if we'll get there. I think there's uh, economic concerns and there'll be environmental concerns of different kinds. And and maybe it moves slowly, but it doesn't seem like that's moving slowly to me right now. It seems like we're moving very quickly into that era of regular space tourism um, and that it might be a regular thing for aircraft, if that's even what we call them, spacecraft, one day in the future. 888-528-2557, 888-528-2557 is the number if you want to join the conversation. Anyway, that was a whole different direction than really I was going to go. But I thought, you know, when you actually have that moment to if you have the moment to look up and see the rocket take off whenever they shoot one off from the Vandenberg Space Force Base, uh, it's an incredible thing to see. Maybe at twelve fifteen, but you got to check into that. Uh, Linda in Ventura, welcome to the Pastor Scott Show. Hi Scott, this is Linda. Hi Linda. I, I wanted to wanted to say about the submarines. Yeah, there's there's like dignitary guys on there, the scientists, and um, and there's also a billionaire. If I was like a billionaire on that, stuck on that thing, I would want probably somebody to get me out. I'd probably pay him that money. <laughs> well, he probably can't afford it. I, I think that the issue, though, is is it even possible with our technology to save them? God, I hope so. I hope they can. Because they keep saying that, um, so I don't understand. If they, if they keep getting signals. Why can't they locate them. I mean, why can't the the ones that are in the ocean get to them? You know, it might be interesting if we have somebody listening who is a submariner or somebody who understands sonar and how that works. Uh, we probably have uh, several people who are, are doing that. Uh, San Diego's not with us today. They're doing something else today. So some of our military from down there may not be listening at the sub bases down there. But um, you know what? I think that it's not that easy. I was listening to some people earlier today, Linda, and, and mm-hmm. in fact, they were even careful to say that the noises they're hearing may not even be the sub. Mm-hmm. You're right. So I think they just don't know. And it's so deep. There's only, mm-hmm. in fact, I heard there's only two other craft in the world that can even go that deep. Uh, so I don't think it looks too good and, uh, they're not communicating with the people, you know, there's, I guess there's no way for them to have any sort of uh, radio communication or anything in this craft that went down there. It's called a submersible. So it's not even a submarine that they're in. Oh yeah. And, and the other thing is I heard about, um, there, there was, um, safety issues that had been brought up. 
Yeah, there's a lot of question about whether or not, and Linda, I thank you for your call. I have to go to a break. I'm a little bit over okay. on that, but okay. thank you for, for, hey, Linda, you're in Ventura. Are you going to take a look at that rocket tonight at 1215? Oh, I was in Vandenberg Air Force Base, and I seen them, and I heard them, and they make a lot of noise. Yeah, so you may not even miss it. You're going to be forced to get up if it goes off, maybe. All right, Linda, thanks for calling the Pastor Scott Show. Hey, what do you think about this? And if you have any experience with sonar and the kind of work that people are doing to locate this this submarine, hey, give me a call. The number is 888-528-2557. When we come back, I'll take your calls. I see Penny and others who are calling 888-528-2557. This is the Pastor Scott Show. We'll be back as the Wednesday edition continues. Stay tuned. You're listening to the Pastor Scott Show podcast. Have any questions or comments? Email Pastor Scott now at pastorscott at kkla.com or tune in live weekdays from 3 to 5 p.m. Now, back to the show. Good to be back with you, everybody. Welcome back to the Pastor Scott Show, 888-528-2557. We were talking about the submarine or the... uh, uh, the craft that is lost and updates on it, they still haven't found it, and there are many people looking for it. And uh, But there's a lot of concern about the oxygen running out for all the people in there. Interesting story is that the pilot's spouse who's down there, her name is Wendy Rush. She's the wife of Stockton Rush. He's the chief executive who's piloting the submersible uh, from the companies called Ocean Gate. She's a direct descendant of one of the people who died on the Titanic, actually. Um, Ida Strauss, Isidore and Ida Strauss, who famously passed away on the Titanic. He was the co-owner of Macy's Department Store, co-founder, I think, of that department store. He and his wife, Ida, passed away, and she is the great-granddaughter of that. It's kind of an eerie part of this story, I think. 888-528-2557. I was curious about whether or not you would do something like this, because the other side of it, of these kinds of adventuresome uh, things is space. Many people paying a bunch of money to go to space. What do you think? 888-528-2557. Penny in Canoga Park. Welcome to the Pastor Scott Show. Hi, Pastor Scott. How are you today? I'm good, Penny. How are you? Oh, I'm wonderful. But I wanted to answer your question. I feel so sorry. They're in my prayers, those people who are in the submissive, submersive. But I don't, uh, as for myself, you asked, I don't want to go into the ocean. And I'm a le- an American land lover, and I don't want to go in space because if God had wanted me to have and be in space, He would have given me wings. So yeah, or uh, or rocket shoes or something, you know. To, <laughs> yeah, I, I prefer I prefer the dirt yeah. underneath my feet. <laughs> <laughs> I'm I think I'm with you. I'm not going up there, you know. But I think that's yeah, the way. I, I think hope, I hope they get those people. I, really I do too. They- I hope that. Um, you know, I was thinking we've had news stories before, you know, of kids stuck in a well or in a cave and these cave-ins and stuff. This is the this is the underwater version of that. Right. Uh, I'm not and too sure. what's so sad yeah, is yeah. these people were saying that that submissive thing is not safe to go in. And, and, and they went down in it. I don't understand that. Yeah, there's a lot of stories coming out about how there's no regulation at all. Not that regulation is the answer, but you, you really probably want someone to take a look at your your craft if you're going down deeper than anything else can go. Um, yeah. yeah, because so, water, it, 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 it smashes everything. Yeah, so I think at the end of this, uh, one way or the other, even if it turns out uh, good for these people, uh, 
there's going to be a controversy that's pretty significant. Yeah. All right, Penny. Well, well I just and, wanted to say that. Thank you so and, very much. You're and welcome. Have a good day. Enjoy the ground in Canoga Park today. <laughs> oh, I will. Yeah. All <laughs> right. Eight 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 five two eight two five five seven. You know, people that you know somewhere in the New York Times they said that there's a one percent chance of their survival. Uh, that's obviously not very good. That's probably to say, you know, there's maybe something that that we can expect that we haven't thought of, but it doesn't look too good. But it reminded me of another story that happened last week of four children, including a baby who lived 40 days in the Amazon jungle. Did you hear the story? And their plane crashed. The plane crashed in the Amazon jungle. And they, the adults uh, passed away, including their mom, who apparently lived for a short time and was able to say to the, uh, who her kids, um, hey, people will be coming after you, but she passed away. So people, searchers, found the wreckage of the plane, but the kids, who were aged 13, 9, 4, and an 11-month-old baby, they all survived this plane crash. And they were led by the eldest, a girl named Leslie. Her name's Leslie, and this is uh, it's an interesting name for it. It's an indigenous group uh, of people who fly planes. I looked them up, and they, they don't look like they would have uh, aircraft, but apparently they do. And anyway, she led them, and they managed to find food and water and shelter in the rainforest until the Colombian Special Forces had uh, found them. And that's extraordinary. Nobody thought, number one, that they could survive the plane crash, and then number two, 40 days in the jungle. Could you spend 40 days in some jungle somewhere and survive to be able to find water, to be able to find water that doesn't make you sick, to find things to eat, to even identify what there is to eat? And I guess because they are an indigenous tribe or part of a tribe that they had a lot of understanding about that. So it's probably not as unusual for for them. But I thought about this and I thought, you know, you you have to have some hope even for these people in that submarine as as unlikely as it is that they're going to survive at this point. That maybe there's something that nobody has thought of, that maybe there is a possible rescue, or maybe they're just trapped in something and they get set free and they're able to float to the top. There's possibilities. And you got to hold on to that as long as you can. And I think you hold on to the, the, the idea that maybe God will intervene, that miracles can happen, that there is some possibility of that happening, if that's the Lord's will. All of us are going to die eventually. You know, so those kinds of miracles, they feel great when they happen, right? When people survive in circumstances where they should never survive, that most people wouldn't think so. But eventually they're going to pass away and they go be with, they're going to go face Jesus no matter who you are. And that's another thing to keep, you know, in mind always with us is what the Lord is doing in our world today. And even with the the magnificence of the depths of the ocean, you know, whenever you think of the Titanic, what is one of the things you think about? When you think about that story and all the lore of it, one of them is that God couldn't sink her. That's what somebody said, that this ship is so strong that God couldn't sink her. Well, um, sometimes I wonder what the role might be of the Lord with that. But there's still this you know, majesty of the ocean and also the majesty of space and exploration. Some people think, well, we shouldn't even go look for them. It costs a lot of money. There's almost no chance that they're going to be saved. And, you know, it's interesting, though, that a lot of the money that's being spent by military and companies, they're out there anyway. That money's being spent whether they're sitting on a dock doing nothing or they're actually going out trying to rescue. So that it's always a little bit disingenuous when they start throwing costs your way when a bunch of the costs would have been spent anyway. 
So we don't really know what the increased cost would be. But you know what? It These kinds of things, they do drive ingenuity and they drive experience and they teach lessons. There is probably a whole lot of benefit in going after them, not to mention just the fact that what a wonderful thing it would be for everybody if those people are are rescued. I think that would be great. In the meantime, you know, we should realize something is that it was impossible for human beings to be saved. It was impossible for human beings to live a life a certain way so that God would be able to accept them with the righteousness that is necessary to be forever in the presence of God, to be redeemed, to be able to be in the presence of God. And yet God loved the world so much that he sent his son to pay the cost of that, to save us. And something that would be impossible for people to do, it wasn't impossible for God. He did it through his son, Christ. And Jesus died on the cross for your sins. He was resurrected on the third day. And that even though we may die one day, and unless you're the last generation, you're going to, um, you get salvation for free. It's a miracle that God saved us, that he loves us that way, that he sent Jesus who died. And God says he put our sins, your sins and mine, on the cross. Jesus became those sins, it says, for us, the word of God says. And then he rose again from the grave, giving us hope that there is a defeat of death and that there is everlasting life for all who believe. And that is inspiring. That's the real reason we have hope. You know, I hope those people are rescued. I hope that everybody who travels in this space does so safely. I hope that we are able to get past so many of the things that divide us in this country and that our country sees a great revival. I hope all of that happens, and and it might But at the end of the day, the hope that's not going to be taken away is our hope in Christ. And the majesty of the creation, whether it's the depths of the sea or the height of heights in space or the most beautiful thing that you can see wherever you are, it's all to the glory of God. So a reminder of that as we see these stories and what is either going to be a heroic moment or a tragedy, that at the end of the day, the greatest moment is the resurrection of Christ who died for our sins, who defeated death, so that in the tragedies that we see and in the divisions that we see, all of it will be healed eventually through Christ. And that he did it, and you don't have to do it, and I don't have to do it, and a billionaire doesn't have to do it, and a scientist doesn't have to do it, a great teacher doesn't have to do it. God did it himself through his son. And if you believe in him, and have you'll have everlasting life if you believe you did that. If you want to know more about that, you can send me an email, pastorscott at kkla.com, pastorscott at kkla.com. You can also get the podcast. If you miss an hour of our show, go to kkla.com to get the podcast or wherever you get your podcast, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, those places. Look for the Pastor Scott Show. All right, we'll be back with hour two. We'll talk a little bit about what happened in Glendale last night and uh, some other stories as the Monday, what is today? Wednesday, Wednesday edition of the Pastor Scott Show continues. Stay tuned. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn. 
deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.